So uh, when Vijay asked me to, to preach this week, he didn't actually mention that uh, we were going to be losing an hour. So uh, it's great to see so many of you here, and uh, hopefully I, I'm awake enough to, to not stumble too much on my words. Um, and when I was thinking about the series that we're going through, as Tony was saying, on how work fits into our lives, um, and reflecting on what that meant for me, I think the biggest experience I've had with work is one of busyness. Work, and I, by when I say work, I mean the main thing we do our, in our lives. That could be something um, like a paid job, it could be full-time studies, work in the home. For me, my experience has been that's often been overwhelming, that sort of never-ending pile of to-dos, the things that we're struggling with to keep up with and keep on with. And if the studies on the uh, health effects of, uh, of stress and of the busyness of this world are anything to go by, I'm sure that I'm not alone in this, and many of you face the same issue. And technology's been, I think, a clear role in um, the speeding up and the evolution of work, right? Um, we're now able to answer emails and work um, at, at home. We're able to work in, a, in our beds, uh, on the beach, or even on the toilet. Um, we're able to, in our long commutes to work, uh, have phone meetings and really try to squeeze every possible minute, productive minute out of our days, right? This time, idea that time is money has led us to be able to optimize and try to maximize every free second. So we have difficulty, or at least I do, finding a free 10 minutes, let alone an hour or a day, to just stop and stand still and uh, just be. So what are the results? I'd suggest that our attention is constantly divided. Um, we like to call this multitasking. Um, we have lack of sleep. Um, again, some people may struggle with waking up at night worried about work. And really, there's this profound anxiety and exhaustion. And if this is true for us, I'd say it's also true for everyone here who doesn't have work, because I think that a process of searching for work leads to equal struggles and equal anxiety. So if our experience of work is an experience of overwork, thinking about rest, what is our experience of rest? I'd suggest in our culture that rest becomes two things. It either becomes escape or collapse. Rest becomes escape when we experience the overwhelming sense of relief at the end of the day that we can finally get away, that it's over, and we can go and do the stuff we want. Maybe you've experienced counting the minutes until you get out of the office. Or maybe you're dreaming of getting away somewhere nice and warm and getting away from the daily grind. But again, when we experience that vacation, we don't come back always feeling rested and restored, but can equally come back exhausted and needing a vacation to recover from the vacation, right? So life becomes a cycle of working to escape from work. So that's on the one hand. But on the other hand, work can become collapse, right? Um, where exhaustion, that complete exhaustion from overwork can come to us where we have difficulty doing anything, like making dinner or even getting together with a few friends. And for me, when I experience this, um, Lori will see me come home and collapse on the couch and just uh, try to binge watch whatever I'm uh, currently dealing with on Netflix. Um, and, and again, this can also happen in bigger ways. Um, there was a once I was struggling with a particularly challenging year, um, and when I took a, a week of vacation, all I could really do is lay in bed and read. I was having difficulty even getting up to eat. 
So we either let our work dominate our lives or we struggle to escape or we simply collapse. So given this reality around us, what is rest supposed to look like? What does a rhythm of rest that actually works look like? In earlier sermons, we've discussed how God in creation has established a pattern of work and shared it with humanity. Um, when it comes to rest, I'd say he did the same thing. In Genesis 1 and 2, um, we read God with a pattern of creation and six days and then him resting on the seventh. But it's not only a rhythm for God, right? This isn't something that just happened before the fall in the Garden of Eden. But the, the rest that God had is also a gift that he gave his people in the Ten Commandments. And he told us that this is something for us to engage in now, not something merely to look forward to in the future. So let's take a look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, um, where he gives the commandment for Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So reading the fourth commandment, we see a clear call for God's people to engage in Sabbath rest. And I thought it was interesting that when we read this commandment, it's not like some of the others where it says something like, you shall not murder, but there's actually an explanation as to why we should engage in this desired behavior, right? This uh, commandment points to the pattern of work and rest that God engaged in in the garden and that it's intended for us to be something to mirror. mirror. So when God did the work of creation, there's actually a pattern in Genesis 1 and 2, right? We see in the poetic language used a pattern. For each of the days that we read about, there's this rhythm. It starts with God's creative word acting and then something happening, right? So we read, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. But after each act of creation, God also celebrates, right? He said, um, and it, the text says, and God saw that it was good. Right? And not only is there celebration, but there's also rest. Um, after that celebration, we read um, a pattern that says, and there was evening and there was morning. So God rested on each day in between acts of creation. And so if this rhythm of rest is there in the daily routine, it reaches its climax on the seventh day of creation, um, where we read that the Sabbath day was holy and distinct from the other days, right? And this pattern is something that we don't only see in the creation account in scripture, but we actually see it in creation itself all around us, right? This idea of morning and evening of the 24-hour day is something that's there because the earth is spinning on its axis, right? The seven-day week is not only something that God created in the garden, but it's also something that comes um, in the world, right? It's not that someone just said one day, well, I think a week should be seven days rather than 11 days. That is a quarter, those seven days are a quarter of the 28 days it takes for the moon to revolve around the earth. And similarly, our year, our annual pattern comes from the earth's revolution around the sun. So the rhythm that we're called to follow is a rhythm that we see in scripture, but it's also in a rhythm that we see in the world around us. 
And if we think about the rest that God engaged in on that seventh day, to me, I'd suggest to you that there's really two elements to see. The first one is that God was present. We experienced God's presence, but also that God delighted, right? God stopped his work just in creation, just to be present with the heavens and the earth, with the plants and the animals and with humanity. He also rested to delight in what he created, right? If he paused after each day to say that his created act was good, that seventh day is a climax of him saying, wow, look at everything that's here. This is truly amazing. So when I imagine what it would have been like, if I think about what God would have been doing, the closest analogy I had was of someone who just spent the day preparing this incredibly fancy meal for family. Um, And now that that work is done, the meal's finally ready, and the people who they care about are coming, what they want to do is just stop and enjoy the time with their family, with the people who they care about, and also to um, just really enjoy the food and the time. So that's the picture of God in Sabbath, stopping to present, to be present with creation and to delight in it. And I think it's also interesting when God rested on the seventh day, that this was actually the first full day that Adam and Eve were present in the world, right? So for us, our Sabbath should not actually be the end of our week. It shouldn't be the, the recuperation after a crazy week, but it actually should be our starting place our starting place of rest and energy that we can then move forward into our week and into co-participation with God in the acts of creation and cultivation. Further, I'd suggest that rest isn't only an act that's required of us, but it's also something that God blessed us with and calls us to enjoy, right? Just like work, rest is intended to be something for our own good, And um, I think that that's why it's in the commandments, right? God created the commandments and gave them to us, not for just things for us to do, but to really try and give us a sense of the guiding principles he had for our lives. And I think it's also there because it's not something that just happens, but really is a conscious choice for us to follow God and engage in Sabbath rest. So, I would suggest that engaging in rhythm, the rhythm of rest, is actually a risk because given our busy lives, um, it means giving up that time to be able to get through all of those to-dos and just stay on top of things, right? It's not easy to to stop, or at least for me it's not. Um, Because of the the world around us, the dynamic of overwork and escape from work, um, it's tough to engage in those weekly and annual rhythms. But... I would submit to you that God's rhythm of rest can be profoundly transformative, right? God didn't just create this rhythm um, for any reason, but I think that if we're made in God's image and we're created to participate in these rhythms of work and rest, um, then the rhythms can allow us and allow us to live lives that are hugely productive and restful. So these breaks that God calls us into Rather than harming our productivity, I think these are opportunities to really give us momentum and help us build, right? There's something about this rest that allows us to be transformed. Through experiencing rest, we can be propelled back into fruitful work rather than working to the point of exhaustion or struggling to escape. Rest is an act of obedience, right? It's us stopping what we're doing to stop and encounter God and just to see his work in us 
rather than uh, our own work. And think about what the impact that could be if we were all to stop and just rest and be in God's presence. How would we, our families, our workplaces, our church community, and our city be transformed if we were really to be able to engage in this rest? And if you're anything like me, um, you could say, okay, well, that's all well and good to know God rested, but how can I live that? What does it look like for me to participate in God's rest? Um, I'd say, first of all, obviously, rest is a break, that sort of stop from daily life. Um, And it's referred to repeatedly as holy or set apart. So it means that it should be different in some sort of meaningful way from our daily routines. And I think the most simple and powerful way of saying this is that rest is stopping doing and starting being. And Eugene Peterson, who's a pastor and professor and wrote the Message Bible, described Sabbath rest as that uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. So fundamentally, now, biblical rest is not something we do to be more productive alone, but it's also us engaging in trust in God's plan for us. And because that rest is intended to be life-giving from the creator God, it's something we can enter into because we know he has created this world and we can trust who he is and what he's done. So to experience this rest, we should do things, I would suggest, that are that mirrored response to God's delight and presence. And Peterson captured this mirrored response in two simple words, pray and play. First, Just as God blessed creation and stopped to be present in it, as created beings, we're called to respond on the Sabbath to his presence. This means to engage in relationship with God, which is another way of saying pray. So when I say pray, I'm not talking just about what we do when we bow our heads, but I'm talking about really engaging with God and responding to him. And so when we rest, we should pray. And second, Just as on the Sabbath, God delighted in his creation, we're called to enjoy our identity as part of God's creation and to play. This creation and our very existence is is a good thing, right? This is a blessing from God and, and we're called to enjoy it. So rest is not just stopping work, but it's also stopping to enjoy our existence. So when we rest, we should pray, play. (laughs) <laughs> let's, let's unpack what both of these look like in our daily lives. Um, pray, I'd suggest, is, as I said, the time we spend responding to God's presence. And I think the good news is, since you're all here now, you're already doing that, right? The very fact that uh, you've come today is an opportunity to be present and to try to hear from God and try to hear what he's doing and then respond in worship. Um, And I'd suggest, because so much of our church serves, um, that that's equally true um, when we're serving, right? Getting up early to do setup or to teach in the gospel project could be seen as something other than rest. And certainly I know when I'm lugging the tables and the soundboard and the cables up and down the stairs here, I break into a sweat and it doesn't always feel restful. But I think that... um, when we're serving, what we're doing is we're just trusting God. We're saying that, God, you are the source of our rest, and so we are going to trust that you restore us when we come to you and when we serve. And so to me, that's an element of what it means to pray. 
Um, but I think it's obviously broader as well than simply what we do on a Sunday. And so I think that we can be creative with how that looks like. Um, we can look for different things that help us to be mindful of our relationship with God. And that could be um, spending time to read a Bible passage with your family. Um, it could be, I know some pers one person who said that rather than taking, to take a break from the weekly rhythm of um, their daily devotions, what they do is rather than reading a long passage of scripture, they stop and just meditate on one verse. Um, it could also mean a change of environment. And for me, um, time in nature is a really powerful way of connecting to God. So one of the things that, that is helpful for me in engaging with rest is going for a walk. Praying with a friend, a family member, discussing the Sunday message over lunch, playing worship music. As you can imagine, the list of what pray could look like could go on forever. But I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, when I engage in the rest given to me by God, how can I be receptive to him and engage with him? How can I pray? And for some of us, pray may be harder, and for others, play may be harder. For me, the idea of play, enjoying my identity in God's creation, is often a struggle. If you ask Lori, my, my wife, um, what, what comes out of my mouth over the last couple of weeks, I think she'd tend to say words like, um, I don't have enough time, I don't know how I'm getting everything done. Those are the things that I'm saying. Um, and so I think my Sabbath rest and that time for enjoying myself is so easily overrun by just the, okay, I just need to write one more page of a paper. I just need to respond to that one more email. And so I think stopping work to rest and just enjoy my presence with God is one of the biggest gut checks of my trust in God's blessing of rest. Do I trust him that I can stop the busyness of the week, the never-ending list of to-dos, and just turn away from all of that and turn towards him? And I think I need a reminder, the reminder of the creation account, that God rested in order to delight in creation. He didn't need the earth, the plants, the animals, or any of us um, to be whole, and yet he looks on creation and says, this is truly beautiful and delightful and wonderful. And as difficult as it is for us to believe sometimes, um, he delights in each and every one of us and wants us to experience that exact same joy that he has. So when we rest, um, we're called to get rid of our have-tos and to get rid of our deadlines and to stop and enjoy and delight in creation just as God did. So just as with pray, play can look a lot of different ways, right? It could be that afternoon game of soccer with friends. It could be a meal with family in the relaxed afternoon. It could be just curling up on the sofa with a great book. Um, again, if you're an extrovert, having a big group of friends over for a barbecue, hopefully when the weather's warmer, could seem like a great way of engaging in soul breathing. But on the other hand, if you're an introvert like me, having your closest 40 friends all over and talking at the same time can seem exhausting rather than restful. So the big question is not, here is what everybody must do, but rather, what will give me personally the ability to release my anxieties from the week and refocus on just being rather than doing? What is life-giving rest for me? And I think that as I think about my busyness and my identity as a planner, one of the things that I need is unstructured time, 
During the week, I spend sort of trying, time trying to plan every minute of every day and sort of allocate all of my tasks to the time. And so one element of this identity of prey for me is saying, okay, I'm gonna step away from this over-planned, over-scheduled life and allow myself to just be. And I think that, again, thinking about Sabbath, it's interesting that in the first century Roman world, Sabbath was the thing that made the people around the Jews in their villages and in their towns say, oh, those are Jews, I know. I know because they rest on the Sabbath. And so I think the question for us, for those of us who say we follow Christ, is how does our rest play the same role, right? Our Sabbath play is intended to be a sign of the new creation, right? To point out that as a result of what Jesus did on the cross, there's a new creation coming when it'll be possible to truly delight in everything around us. And so because of our sure future, we're able to enjoy ourselves in the here and now, being who we are and knowing that we can trust God and therefore rest and play guilt-free. And I think that that really is something that can be different from the world around us and should make those people stand up and pay attention. So when I was thinking about this, I wonder what sort, of, what sort of sign it would be if we were to play in ways that don't involve televisions, cell phones, or computers. For those of us who spend so much of our lives looking at screens, um, I wonder what making our day of rest a screen-free day would impact our experience of rest, refreshment and restoration. How could our rest, our prey, and our play function as a sign to the world pointing out the new creation that's coming? And if you're anything like me, certainly you don't have this figured out. And, it, and if I look at my life, I wouldn't say my life currently is assigned to the people around me. I don't think I've got it all figured out. And so that's why I hope and the rest is for the next little while to take time to think about what our rhythms could be and should be and try to think about how can we make this happen in our lives. Um, and I think it's an opportunity to think about not only how do we carve out time to rest, but how can we incorporate pray and play into our rhythms. And so as a guide, I put together four questions for each of the weekly and annual rhythms just to help us think through what this could look like in our own situations. So looking at the weekly rhythm, I think the first question we need to ask ourselves is, what does your weekly schedule look like? Right? Before thinking about when we rest or when we could rest, we need to think about the schedule of work and all of the other things going on in our lives and understand that. And while you may already have a day of rest established, for those of you who don't, um, you want to think about when the right time might be to do so. Um, if you work on Sundays or you work night shifts or people in your life do, well, that's going to really impact things. And so you want to, to take that into account. Um, you might also want to think about how the time of rest should be allocated. When this is something that I had been working through, one of the things that I realized is if I just say, okay, Sunday is my day of rest, what ends up happening is I end up being worried about the week that's to come. And so what I had to figure out is rather than resting on Sunday evening, I needed to allocate Sunday evening to get ready for the rest of the week. And so what my day of rest became was actually Saturday dinner time until Sunday dinner time. So there's not one right plan for everyone. 
And maybe you look at your schedule and you say, okay, there's no way I'm going to be able to carve out that single day to work, to work for you. Maybe the thing to think about is, can I carve out two eight-hour chunks during the week when I might be able to rest? Right? There's not any sort of minimum amount of time to engage in this, but I'd suggest that the longer period of time we can have together, the easier it's going to be to stop doing and start being. And once you've identified when you're entering into your time of weekly rest, it's important to think about how can you incorporate both pray and play into that rest, right? And this isn't intended to be work. This isn't a homework assignment, but rather than work being, uh, rather than rest being work at rest, I'd encourage you to have freedom to figure out how this can actually work. Um, and we've spent a lot of our time thus far in the message talking about the weekly rhythms, but I think it's equally important to think about our annual rhythms as well, right? I think it's valuable to build in annual rhythms of, of rest. Um, for many of us, that can be vacations. And whatever your vacations look like, I think the same question is there. How can I include pray and play in my vacation time? Um, this is something Vijay's talked about in the past. He's talked about tithing our vacation time, giving the first portion of our vacation or the first portion of every day um, to God in prayer. Um, and this is something when Lori and I took a trip out west last summer, we committed, we wanted to do this. And looking back on that trip, while we saw many beautiful things, this was actually one of the highlights for me. And I think it was a highlight, not because we did anything fancy, but for a couple of reasons. I think the first one was, um, what we did was basically um, listen to some worship music together, do our daily Bible reading as a, as a, together as a couple, and then pray together. And so the time together, rather than just doing it individually, was a change, and so it made things feel fresh and new. And I think the other thing that was striking is because the drives were long, there wasn't any fixed end time to this. And I think that that helped change the nature of the discussions that we were having. And I think that that's a benefit for us of having these annual rhythms of rest, right? A longer period of time away can give us that unstructured time we need, that change of pace to really relate to God in a powerful way. So while I think that's great, I know vacation isn't a, a reality for all of us. Not all of us are going to be able to take a week and go away. Um, but if that isn't, I think that it's still very possible to um, carve out a day or two every uh, quarter um, in our lives, maybe at home, where we just stop and we engage in pray and play and enter into God's rest. So as I was running through these questions, my hope is that there's one or two of them that stuck, struck you that made you like, oh, I need to really think about that. I need to figure that out. So what I wanted to actually do now is to give you a couple of minutes to reflect on the questions. So to start thinking about what could this look like concretely in my life? Um, and if you're sitting next to someone who you're doing life with, feel free to chat with them because obviously figuring out rest is something that we do together. So take a couple of minutes. So um, coming back, as we've been talking about so far, we've seen that rest is a rhythm of pray and play. And I think if you're like me, this is helpful in realizing, well, what should my life look like? What could it look like? But at the same time, it can also feel like additions to busy weeks and to to-do lists. This could feel like just one more thing I need to get done. 
Um, and I don't want this to be that. I don't want it to be a spiritual task where you feel like, oh, I'm being measured or feeling like I need to perform. And when I was preparing this message, one of the things that struck me is there's actually two different reasons given when we read the two givings of the Ten Commandments as to why we're in, called to engage in Sabbath rest. And that second account is in Deuteronomy. So let's read it in Deuteronomy verse, chapter 5, verses 12 and 15. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Remember you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is interesting, right? God's people weren't only called to practice Sabbath because um, that's what God did in creation, but also as a response to their rescue out of Egypt, out of slavery. God brought his people out of lives full of making bricks, building pyramids, picking cotton seven days a week without break or rest. And when he did so, he instituted the Sabbath as a reminder of the freedom that they'd received. Because they were no longer slaves, they were free to take the break from work. They were able to pause and rest, right? This Sabbath, this gift of Sabbath was a blessing because God loved his people and delighted in them and he wanted them to remember that the freedom that they had. And he also gives us the Sabbath as a gift because he loves us and he delights in us and he wants us to remember the freedom that we have. We can rest because we too are people who've been freed from slavery. We can rest because we can trust the God who's rescued us. If people in our culture are slaves to anything, it's work. Um, as Tony mentioned, I actually came to faith here at Upper Room. And during a lot of my 20s and early 30s, my work was really central to um, my life. And as often happens, that particularly challenging year I'd mentioned earlier led me to a place of exhaustion. And I'd reached a point in my work where I felt like I couldn't go on and I knew my life wasn't working, but I really didn't have an alternate solution. And not long afterwards, I was able to encounter Jesus who describes himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. In the Gospels, he demonstrated this commitment to the true meaning of Sabbath rest by subverting all of the rules that turned Sabbath into a task that had to be worked hard at. Rather, he reminded people that Sabbath was made for their benefit and for their restoration. If his disciples were hungry on the Sabbath, he encouraged them to eat. If people were sick, he made them whole. Ultimately, he came to rescue everyone and give them everything they needed on the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, he came and rescued us. And because of that, we can trust him. So rest is trust. We're free from slavery because of him. And we know we can rest knowing that our worth, our identity, our security is found in him. Right? While we may be struggling with worries at work about performance or financial security, Jesus rescues us from that being our only place where we can find our identity. And therefore, our rest is a place where we can show our faith in actions. Um, our rest is a sign that we've been saved and it points to the future we've received through Jesus. Right? And I think Vijay always says that what we believe is seen in what we do. And so do we trust God enough to stop work? 
Or do we live as though our lives are going to crash into fiery ruin without our constant work? Our weekly rhythm of Sabbath rest can be a blessing to us because it's an opportunity for us to step out in faith and say that I trust him, right? God's giving us this chance to exert our faith muscles on a weekly basis um, and make our faith not just an abstract set of I believe statements, but a concrete experience that we know it won't work without God. Sabbath rest is a chance for all of us to say, yes, Jesus, I will trust you. I'll seek your rest, your rhythm of pray and play. Despite everything that's going on in my life, my rest comes from you, and I know you'll gladly bless me with the life-giving rest I need. In Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, we're called by Jesus to come to him when we need rest and to trust him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As I invite Tony up uh, to lead us in communion, will you come again to the Lord and trust him with your burdens and receive his gift of rest in exchange? As I was thinking about uh, this uh, pre-Easter season and as we go forth from here today, um, my blessing for you or what I wanted to bless you with was just a reminder that... uh, that God sent his son Jesus to redeem us. And really it's as a result of our redemption that we have the freedom to enter into rest. So I want to bless you with an experience of that freedom to enter into God's rest. Will you receive that? Amen.